As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. How's working from home been going for you? Remarkably remote from GoToMeeting will help you succeed in today's new normal. In just three minutes or less, we'll share simple but helpful tips to keep you on track. From managing your motivation, workload, and relationships, to hosting and attending virtual events that keep you connected with your clients and colleagues. So check out Remarkably Remote on your favorite podcasting platform or head to gotomeeting.com forward slash tips. Hello and welcome to Front End Nationwide. This is the Athletics Dedicated Blue Jackets podcast. Aaron Ports, I'm with you on a kind of a rainy Thursday night. You'll be hearing this on Friday. Allison Lucan is here. Hello. And we have another special guest for you. Bill Zito, Senior VP of Hockey Operations, Associate General Manager, Alternate Governor, former agent. I could go on. This guy's done just about everything. He continues to do a lot of things for the Blue Jackets. Bill Zito, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's nice nice to chat with you guys. Fun to talk hockey. Yeah, I know, right? Seriously, yeah. Some games to talk about, but we'll make the most of it. Uh, what, what's going on with you guys right now? I know you've got some scouting meetings going on, or you've had scouting meetings going on. Pro, Amateur, tell me what the what the uh, talk is like among the front office. I know you're not in the building physically yet, but I know you're keeping your busy yourself busy with other stuff. It it's been surprisingly busy. If you'd have asked, if you would have asked us at the beginning of the pause, as we call it in, in the NHL, um, if we thought we would be this busy, I I don't think I would have answered yes. Um, we we now we have our you know, we're gearing up. We have our amateur meetings. Um, we've been having our pro meetings. And instead of having them in our traditional model where we might have them over the course of a few days, we've broken them down and spread them out over uh, several weeks. So we have something to, to look forward to each week and bring everybody together and, and change our topics a little bit. Um, it's been actually a little bit of fun. Um, it's been nice to sort of have some extra time to revisit a lot of the topics uh, on the pro side. Um, we, of course, have our interaction with the league with regard to return to play, 
uh, health and safety of the players, um, the, the health and safety of society in general, um, uh, rules and regulations, um, uh, deadlines, um, the ever-changing uh, the, the CBA deadlines and the calendar and what, what sort of falls into the catch-all of transition rules. You'll hear that term quite a bit, um, which is pretty much anything and everything with regard to the changing landscape uh, as we don't know it and what could happen based upon uh, anything that gets implemented moving forward. Um, possible playoff scenarios, possible draft scenarios, scheduling, um, anything and everything in between. Um, we're looking at budgets, we're looking at player contracts, we're looking at um, uh, just the, the myriad of what ifs and trying to stay prepared uh, for pretty much anything that could come our way. So if and when we do get um, a specific charge with a direction as to where we're going, that we're prepared and that we can get uh, moving forward and, you know, efficiently um, and, and, and do a good job. Yeah. So many moving parts right now. It seems like they, they change uh, weekly, if not daily, in some respects. The one thing that a lot of people here in Columbus are interested in, and I get a lot, is the idea of the hub cities around the league. Where does Columbus stand with that in regards to being one of the hub cities? Should the NHL start back up in four different spots around North America? Any update there? I don't really have any update as far as what the – what our status is as far as being a hub city, I know that we would very much like to be one. And I think that we're uniquely situated. Um, I know that people are very fond of our city and our rink. Um, it's it's uh, obviously the facility is top notch first class. We have the two rinks, the hotels are wonderful. The city's great. Everything is right there. Um, the restaurants are great. Everything's easy. The airport, easy in, easy out. Um, the Ohio State facilities, and and I think that you know through the experience that we've had, and you two can probably speak to this as well. When when you travel around the league and you you talk to people from other teams, from the league, other other writers, and just the, the hockey community in general, not very many people have anything bad to say about Columbus, and on the contrary, they say quite uh, quite many good things about their visits to Columbus. I think people really like to come here. Yeah, for sure. Um, Except the can. And our, and our, I, I will say this, and, and I, and I, I don't think that I'm being a homer when I say it. Our rink is, it's nice. It's yeah. in great shape. It's kept up. I mean, it's, it's clean, um, efficient. Everything works. It's, uh, it does not look like uh, a building that was, what is going to be twenty years old. Right. Yeah. 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 Um, you go around the rink and look at other 20-year-old facilities, and, and this is the Taj Mahal. So, mm -hmm. You know what's um, crazy, Billy, is Nationwide Arena is older now than Joe Lewis Arena was when the Blue Jackets came into the league in 2000. It's and remarkable, you, isn't it? You'd never know it. Like, I, even in 2000, the Joe was really beat up. Really beat up. And Nationwide looks like it's still – a fairly new building. You mentioned um, earlier the idea that contracts are still going on, and you've signed a couple of them. Uh, both goaltenders, Corpusalo and Merzlikens, get two-year RFA deals. You've got two big RFAs still out there. Um, Pierre-Luc Dubois, Josh Anderson. 
What are the challenges right now? What's different about the climate right now to signing sort of the big ticket RFAs? The guys that are, you know are going, well, in some cases, you probably know they're going into UFA years or at least close to them. What are the challenges with those deals right now, given the uncertainty that's, that's around this league with the cap, with, with all of the stuff that pertains to can they play again? Well, the obvious, you know, the, the obvious difficulties are the ever-changing horizon that we deal with on a daily basis, uh, both from the player's perspective and from our own. And everyone's trying to, to get a fair deal. And people are trying to project um, what is the world going to be like in a week, in a year, or two or three years, and what type of deal makes sense for me and my career from the player's standpoint and for, for us and our team from, from our standpoint and trying to make that work for both sides. Um, on the RFAs, you know, it's, it's a little bit easier because you have some you have some idea with regard to you know your your first year of the deal if you don't have our rights is generally a QO type number and then you could project out well this is what i think an arb number would be based upon what you've done um, this is what we think an arb year would be based upon what you could do ish right and you can come pretty close i mean we could spend an afternoon and take five players across the league and project them out five years and probably have a pretty good idea of what that might yield in arbitration with a, with a high degree of accuracy. Now, the last few years, not too many cases actually make it to arbitration, um, albeit because of that reason. That's one significant reason. People just don't bother because you know what it's going to be. And people like to control their own future. But it's it's the the waters are muddied and it's 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 difficult, and you have well-intentioned people who want to get deals done who are just trying to figure out where are we going, um, what do I need to do, what what what's important to me, um, and so it just those those are some of the things that can make it uh, a little more difficult than than it might usually be. Yeah. So if the, if the cap goes flat or down, which is what everyone expects it to do, flat or down, the players, you, uh, my, my thought is that the players would want to know that they're going to get money for sure if the cap does go down, but maybe it is somehow artificially kept flat or increases somehow, and they don't want to short sight them, short themselves by signing under the idea that the cap's going down. Is that a fair read? Well, yeah, because it's your AAV that's going to go in, correct? Right. So in order to get the AAV to fit, it's just going to have to be less no matter what. Like you, So it's not how much you make this year if you, if you backloaded the deal. It's just your overall amount of money if you took a longer-term deal. So then the player may say, well, I prefer to take a shorter deal with a lower AAV um, to exist in this lower cap world in hopes that in one or two years, things regulate and I'll get back to a marketplace where I can enjoy a higher cap and, uh, and, then, and then renegotiate and have a new contract uh, that I think more fairly represents uh, what I'm worth at a higher level at that point.
Sure. So should we assume then that the remaining RFA, well, the, the prominent remaining RFAs, Dubois, Anderson, will be on hold until there's clarity with the salary cap? Or is there any update you have on either of those situations? Well, I don't really have an update on either one, but I would, I would say don't assume anything. Yeah, um, never. Because it, every, everything <laughs> is changing every day, and, and we don't know. Um, it's funny. I just had a roof put on my house. And at one point, the guy I said something about a warranty, and I said, well, geez, you know, is it, is it, is it guaranteed? You know, how do I guarantee the warranty? He said, oh, geez, we've been in business. And I said, well, who owns your company? He said, you know, Joe Blow. Well, how do I know about Joe's solvency? You, you don't know, right? Who knows where the market was and why? Like, you don't know anything. So it's a, <clears throat> we're not taking anything for granted and we're just kind of moving forward and being as patient and open-minded as we can, so. Billy, we obviously everyone's thinking that, you know, the season might still pick up. There's so much focus on what comes next, but have you and, and the, the management team, the front office team, have you, taken a second to kind of look at what this group has accomplished to date and maybe are there things that really stand out to you that make you most proud about what this roster has accomplished so far through 70 games i think if if i got pinned down by a question like this two things jump out at least in my mind um one would be the individual accomplishments of a couple of players um, who who had the chance and took the most, made the most of it. Um, you know, I, I, Corpusalo comes to mind as one guy. Mm-hmm. Um, Elvis is one guy. I don't know. I was, I can remember vividly being at a at a, like a a fan interaction right around Christmas with Jean Luc Grandpierre, and uh, they were the fans were just giving it to poor Elvis. <laughs> It was like oh and five or something. At right, the time. right. It was like it was five games into his pro career, and and, and um, he he just he so um, both those guys and there were question marks on both of them and and they they did so great and like Nathan Gerby who came up and mm-hmm. and and, uh, and then and the other thing is the coaching staff who was. So they could have just said, geez, guys, we have so many injuries. It, it, it's so hard. It's so difficult. Not one day. Now, I, they could have complained or they could have whined or they, when I wasn't there, but I didn't see it not once. <laughs> not one time did I, ever, did I ever sense, feel, hear explicitly, implicitly that, um, you know, oh, woe was us. Woe was me. Oh, this is so – nothing. Never. Never. Not one hesitation coach this team we're going to worry about tonight here's our game plan here's how we're going to execute this is our bunch of guys here's here's the best game plan for these guys and they showed what you can do if you just implement a game plan and you play hockey and the players buy in you do pretty well (laughs) so it it was really exciting and and kudos to them honestly they it was a positive positive attitude the whole season long can you enjoy that, Billy, in the moment? I mean, I know you're managing and thinking about a million different things, but was watching this group do what they were doing, was that fun for you? Can you enjoy that moment? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think, <laughs> I mean, every, look, it, for, for, for me personally, 
the worst day ever in this job is fun. <laughs> Think about, I mean, it's such a blessing and such a, I mean, to be able to work in hockey and, you know, I, I came here from a, from a job that was significantly higher paying um, because I wanted to be part of something and to be part of the National Hockey League. And it's, it's so much fun to watch hockey and be part of something. It, it really is. Um, I used to make fun of uh, a very good, very close friends with a guy named Rick Dudley, who was mm -hmm. a well-known uh, uh, guy in the National Hockey League. And when he was general manager, Dale Talon too, when they win, oh my God, you think that, that they just, the, the world is a good place. They just <laughs> visited with the savior of the, Jesus Christ. I mean, it's, it's the greatest place. I, like everything's, and when they lose, it, it, the world's over. I mean, it's it. It's the worst. And you look, Rick, you're going to lose again, you know. It's just not that big a deal. And then when, it, when you get here and it happens to you and you find yourself <laughs> driving home from the rink and it's like, oh, my God, this is it. I'm the worst person in the world. Oh, my, <laughs> this is terrible. The house is going to burn down. Oh, I'm going to get it. It just, it, it, it's funny how, what an impact it has on you. But it, it, it is fun to watch and it's, it's very special to see. Um, yeah, it, it's, it's, there's a, I use this word neat a lot and it's applicable here because it's, it's a kind of a simple, silly little word, but it's really appropriate. It's really neat to watch that happen. That's awesome. That's awesome. But we also got to watch, I, this is the kind of stuff I love to think about too, your team, your hockey ops team, you know, there was this change in the off season for you guys too. JD heads back to New York. Yarmo is now steering the ship all on his own. What has that evolution been like for your team? Have, have, I mean, we've seen little tactical different changes, but as a leadership group, what's changed or evolved for you guys as the, as the people who are leading this organization? Um, they're, they're as different they are in personality. Um, they're very similar in their leadership styles and that they're very inclusive and collaborative mm -hmm. in the way that they um, reach out. They're both very open-minded. Um, and um, there are a lot of things I think that both Yarmo and I, um, I, I can't speak for Yarmo now, but I'm pretty sure knowing him as well as I do, that he would agree with me that um, I find myself reflecting back on JD now and I'm like, ah, now I get it. <laughs> and it's one of those things, almost like your parents that you don't, you know, you're, you're way at college and you appreciate it. And you're like, yep. oh, that's what they meant. Yeah. Oh yeah. I, you know, I guess. Yes, they were right, you know, um, but they're, 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 I, I don't think it really hasn't changed that much. Um, other than I, I would say that, um, you know, that we have more people involved. Um, Rick Nash has uh, just done more just in, in it. I don't think it's a function of JD leaving as much sure. as it is just Rick's continued to evolve and done sure. more. And, sure. Um, uh, just everybody is, is there's a collaborative process now and um, it's just grown. I think it, just the evolution is something that JD has started and Yarmo has nurtured and grown. And um, uh, yeah, it's, it's really neat. Billy, it's been seven years since you 
switch from agent to uh, the team side. You referenced it earlier. What's what's it been like for you versus what you uh, envisioned it would be like? Um, what's what's been a surprise in there? You you talked about how much you care about the games, living and dying with the results. Is there is is there something you envision that has that hasn't been the case, or, or something that has caught you by surprise, uh, being on the quote other side of it now? I don't. I have, yeah, you kind of stumped me. Um, <laughs> it it's funny because as an agent, if if you're so inclined, um, you really do get an inside. Um, sort of education about the National Hockey League and what it's all about because you have you're you're learning about the league and about all the different teams staffs scouting staffs development philosophies from the inside via your players and so you you're learning about the different cultures how they operate how they do things quite literally what their development philosophies are and how they do things um, how their scouts operate um, in many instances, how their scouting de uh, departments quite literally scout and operate their systems. You may not see their lists, but you know how, how they do things and what they do because they're calling you. Can you bring our player here? We're, we're going to interview your player. You may or may not sit in on the interviews. You interact with the GMs. Um, uh, I, you know, I think probably I, you know, pretty frequently, pretty frequently, you, particularly when you have a lot of free agents. Um, so um, I don't know about surprises. Um, I have to think about that one. Can yeah. I come back to it? For sure, for sure. Let okay. me ask you this one too. Um, how many, because it's a big leap you took. How many agents do you think if they could take the leap would like to work in a in a in a team setting to have because I do think people are in sports for the wins and the losses. There's that competitive juice. How many agents do you think want to be doing what you're doing? There have been a, any number of agents who have become GMs, and I yeah, think a lot a lot more than people think. Yep. Um, now, I'm not sure about – somebody told me that Stan Bowman had been an agent at one point. Like he was briefly, um, yeah. I think Kyle Dubas was at one point. I think Kenny Holland was at one point. Mm -hmm. Ray Shiro certainly was. Ray, uh, Peter Chiarelli was. Right. Um, Chuck Fletcher might have been at one point. Um, there have been, been a lot. Dean Lombardi, you know, Brian Burke. Um, Yarmo Kekalana. Yeah, Yarmo was for a while. Um, yeah. So I, I don't know. I, you know, I think it depends on, you know, when I started, I wanted to get into hockey, but I couldn't afford to do it because I had loans. Right. College. So um, a lot of people and law school and, and opportunity costs. Yeah. So it's a, but, but it's, it's such a privilege. It's such a neat it's a wonderful job and it's a, it's, it's a great, it's a great living. It's a great privilege. Who was the first player you negotiated a contract for as, <laughs> a, as an agent? It's a great trivia question. 
as an agent and also with the Blue Jackets when you got on this side? So the first quasi-client <laughs> that I Quasi. failed to get a, a contract for was Steve Rollick. No! Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's fantastic. Failed to get so a contract I was, for I was still in law school at Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. He graduated. Um, I was there early, and he was just getting ready to go to camp in Pittsburgh on a tryout. And he said, hey, listen, nice to meet you. How you doing? I don't have an agent. Can you help me? Uh, <laughs> all right. So... And this is Ohio um, State calls me, Steve Rollick for everybody listening. <clears throat> Correct. So yeah. he, um, he was great. I think he led the team in scoring and training camp. And I kept calling Craig Patrick was the GM. <laughs> and I kept calling Craig. And Craig's like, who is this guy? Zito. He, I said, are you going to do something? He goes, well, we'll send him to Muskegon. And then he went to Muskegon. And I'm pretty sure, well, we were tried to piece it together about 100 times. I think he played with Jock Callender in Muskegon. That's awesome. And Cleveland did great there. And then the last day, Craig kept saying, oh, he's going to get a contract. He's going to get a contract. And then Craig, there was no contract. (laughs) And it was like, see you later. And that was like, hey, welcome to the NHL, buddy. And that was it. Poof. And I had no – I didn't know anything. I knew nobody nothing zip and so then he went back and i think he coached in hill murray high school where he's from and got into coaching right away that's awesome that's amazing so you still stay yeah, so he got he got to columbus when oh yeah got, yeah um i think a, a little after i think okay, maybe, i don't know maybe the same time it was april 2013 i think he was hired oh okay yeah then then he was here just before me yeah yeah we're good friends we see each other all the time that's awesome that's awesome. Yeah. Um, who, who did you negotiate a deal for uh, with the Blue Jackets first? I don't even remember. Really? Okay, so let me ask you this then. Yeah. When okay. you're – so, I mean, the Rollick thing never got to, t- to talking dollars. No, no. So the first okay. NHL deal was with a guy named uh, Dwayne Dirksen, who was a, an All-American goalie out of Wisconsin. Yes. One of my first uh, first clients, and David Poyle, and Whoa. Jack Button, <laughs> Craig Button's dad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And who was just a legend, a legend, a scout and 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 uh, and executive in hockey. He he passed several years ago. Yes. Um, and uh, David Poyle and Jack Button beat the tar out of me. Oh, they draw. Oh, they just dragged me through them. They were oh, they were merciless. Did they smile doing and, it? Oh yeah, and they like yeah. I had I was in law school. I had no money, and they were like, "Why don't you come out and have a meeting with us?" I'm like, oh yeah, I'm calling. So I I mean I borrowed and scraped and flew out to Washington, went to their office, and they said, "Okay, we had a meeting." They go, "Let's have lunch." I said, "Okay," like. And they went and they gave me a bologna sandwich. I, I remember like it was yesterday, a bologna sandwich and a warm Coke. And I sat in Jack Button's office. And I was so mad. I was like, you son of a gun. Wow. And then I flew back home and they low But we, we got it done. And I, we stuck to our guns. 
and uh, we got our deal done. And um, David laughs at me when I tell him. I, I, we talk every so often. We'll joke and laugh. And Does he remember? He it? Looks at me. So, oh, when I remind me, he remembers. Yeah. Yeah. Was the bologna sandwich like prison food, or was he messing with you? No, you... that was Jack Button like bologna sandwiches. He was just <laughs> oh, like, that's what I'm going to have for lunch. I got, you. Um, I got you. But, and Jack Button ended up being such a uh, very kind, very helpful to me. Um, was a really, really nice man. Yeah, and, legendary. Uh, um, really, really taught me a lot, just, just when I would interact with him about scouting and um, but yeah, he he was uh, was very lu- very lucky to, to 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 know him. That's fantastic, Billy. Yeah. What what do you think if you had to pick one thing that you wish fans or maybe I'm sure on many days media <laughs> could understand or appreciate about that contract negotiation process? Because we obviously don't know it all. We don't see it all. Well, what's one thing you wish people could understand about what goes on in those negotiations? Well, probably that the the team is not trying to win a negotiation. You know, I I guess I, I can't speak for other teams, but sincerely, the team just wants to get a fair deal. Yeah. And in many instances, the deals for RFAs are pretty simple to figure out the ballpark as to what they should probably be. You have a set of rules that are it, they're in place via the CBA. Right. And your first year, if you don't have Arbrights, is pretty much your QL. And the subsequent years are going to be a function of what you could get in arbitration. And give it to, and then you project it out. And if the if the team thinks the guy's going to score 50 goals, we should probably pay it now or pretty close. Maybe, maybe I'll get a deal or, or, you know, you just do the, you just do the what ifs and then see what works for everybody. And that's all it really is. It's rarely is. Um, since I've been here, I've never had anybody say to me, nor I've never heard. I've never heard it said about any other team. Oh boy. There's great value in that particular executive from a team because he won a negotiation i've never heard that i've never heard it ever yeah and and i did hear i heard when we signed um one player what a great deal that was that was unbelievable that deal and we signed another player boy that was a bad one they overpaid (laughs) and not two years later it was the inverse Right, right, right. Right. So, so you, you don't you don't ever really know. But the teams are not trying to win. They're just trying to get like get a deal done that makes sense, that's fair, and that fits. Gotcha. That makes sense. Do you, with all this? I mean, you've you've been on both sides of the table. You're in this organization. You've worked for great leaders and with great leaders. Can you reflect on how your personal leadership style has changed throughout the years? Yeah, um, I think when I arrived, probably I wasn't a leader, mm. and I was a problem solver. Mm-hmm. And 
as I reflected back after being here for a while, I came from a successful small company where I was in charge. <laughs> yeah. And I was on my own for 20 years. Right. I didn't really, I had mentors, but not in my company. Right. And I didn't have anyone to, to help. I didn't answer to anybody. I didn't have anyone to guide me. I was on my own. And that's how I survived. And I think that in that company as well, when you have sort of, we had a smaller group that kind of fluctuated between five and 10 people. Sure. Um, the thought process, people sort of become like-minded. Everybody mm -hmm. sort of adopts the same ideology in the way that people think because it's just sort of almost by necessity. Yep, yep. Um, and when I arrived, I think I was confusing problem solving for leadership. Hmm. And so far as, well, I have the right answer. Just do this. Right, right. <laughs> and when you get to a bigger organization with multiple viewpoints, lots of people, um, it, 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 having the right answer is sometimes is not as important as how you get there. Mm -hmm. And the process is just as important as the answer in many instances. You want to, you want to get, you want, you need to have the right answer, <laughs> but it's just as important as to get there the right way. Right. Right. And that was something that, um, I think that's something that's very important in leadership. It's something that I learned. I made a lot of mistakes. Um, it's something that Yarmo's very good at. JD's very good at that. I had to learn, um, and continue to learn. Um, but, um, so I would say that it took me a while to understand bigger organizations mm -hmm. and uh, the, um, the process in, is, is, that, is as important sometimes as the result. That's awesome. That was a bit, that was, that, that's a big deal for me. That's awesome. So. Billy, you, uh, we, I was fortunate enough to write your story last summer when you were just raising all kinds of hell on that bike and raising all kinds of money, <laughs> over $130,000 for the Peloton. Yeah, I was unable to figure out exactly where that ended up today, but I think it went going well past your 130 goal. Um, yeah, I think 165 and change yeah. was the That's final. Amazing. Give or take, not that you remember it. <laughs> well, no, I'm, I'm arguing because there's, there's like, um, uh, well, you know, like my brother came and rode with me. So then I had to like shift some money into his account. <laughs> so then, well, does that count or not? Or yes, it, it counts. Yes. It That's count. what I say, but, but uh, it's okay. Uh, it's all good. You've done other stuff too. Some of which has made it to the surface, some of which has it, but what have you learned? I think you've probably, you've probably enjoyed this aspect of it as much as others I can remember in the front office here in terms of the power of pro sports teams, the power of pro athletes, um, the power of the dream that is major league sports to make a huge difference in people's lives. 
Uh, what's that been like for you on the uh, sort of on the front line of it to see the impact it can make? I think a lot of players would love to make an impact. They just don't recognize or realize that they can. I don't know if that makes any sense, but I think you've seen it and tell me how powerful it is. That's a hard one. Um, you know, practically speaking, it's, it's, as you know, it's tremendously powerful and we're so blessed. Um, from Mr. McConnell to Mike Priest to, to, from JD to Yarmota, that, that everybody here um, supports the Blue Jackets as a vehicle to give and to help. Um, our particular group um, is really open-minded. And, you know, one of the, one of the most gracious people of all is Torts. Yeah. Um, if, if you go to Torts with either a kid or, and people think it's just veterans, certainly veterans, right? Or dogs, right? But really anyone who needs a break, there's no, there's no what, when, it's yes. What do you need? And with a smile and a sincere, well, we're doing it. I, I don't know. We'll figure out how we do it. We're just going to do it. <laughs> and it. And it's fun. And it makes you feel good, right? Like when, you're, when your parents say it's, you know, it's more fun to give the gift than to get one. Well, it, it is fun. It's nice to do stuff. Um, so that's that spirit um, that we're able to just just do kind things and do nice things for people is a lot of it. Just it's wonderful, and, and we should be doing it. Um, you know, from, from the financial standpoint, when we're able to, to generate some pretty significant sums of money for good causes, it's important. Um, obviously, the, the cancer cause, or the, it doesn't even matter what the cause is, right? If we're doing this to sort of grow the interest and try to help people through this, and we're also bringing people together, giving people something to believe in, and um, it's, I don't know. Maybe that's sort of the magic of sports that sometimes gets lost. Um, kind of through this this break now that we've been home. I don't know, our family's been watching a lot of movies. And you kind of watch those old sappy sports movies. <laughs> and you, you miss sort of that romantic side of the game sometimes. And um, even like... Just it was one or two days ago. I don't know if you guys remember, but I remember like it was yesterday because I was I represented Tuka Rask. And when Boston came back in that game seven over Toronto. Yep. Yep. How? I mean, Toronto goes up four one with ten minutes to go. Like it was four like, one. Oh, <laughs> yeah. And and then there's magic, and I was sitting there going, "This is sports. This is what it's." But there's all so so that same vein of of you know we we possess um, an an ability to do some things and bring people together in a in a way that's similar to this sort of unexplained how do you come back and get three goals and win it over I, I don't know, I don't know how but this is a it just brings people together mobilizes people for good and is very very special. Um, you know, in many ways that 
what we went through last summer was, and to be honest, it was a little selfish too. It was, it was my, it was like a personal thing for me to say, I have to do something. Um, and for people who are stuck in that situation, they know you can only get so many Lorna Dooms or go we'll get warm blankets. And you want to show the people like, I love you so much. And I don't know what else to do. Yep. Yep. And it's a great way to, to, to just to do something good and nice. And uh, I was really, really blessed. Everyone was. So, and, and, Kudos to you guys for talking me into it and Nikki. <laughs> so I wouldn't have done it if I, if I hadn't, if I hadn't met you guys for coffee, no chance I would have, I would have, uh, I mean, I would have done it, but I no chance we would have made it. Well, Billy, can I talk you into our Cam Atkinson 5k challenge then while we're at it? <laughs> I did it. But we, but now we signed are, up, but I, we're trying to get pledges. We're trying to up the donation. I did. Okay. I good. donated it. Oh, well, we're trying but to get I, I people to donate for us too. Jeff Svoboda and I have a bet going. <coughs> can I go back in and allocate mine to you? <laughs> I will make sure you can. Yeah, and I'm going to make sure mine. Jeff hears. <laughs> Allison, this was All not right. the, this was not the purpose of this podcast, Allison. Uh, this was the only question that mattered tonight. <laughs> but does it have to be run? No, you can walk. In fact, Aaron Portsline's going to walk. I'm walking it, believe me. Corey, I'll walk with you. Are there any good pubs on the way? <laughs> I, I mean, are they open? I'm an, I'm an Achilles guy. I can't, uh, I cannot run. So we officially have a walking division now. This is good to know, Porter. You got to start well, promoting that. There's at least that. two of us. There's at least two of us. That's good. That's good stuff. Uh, hey, Bill Zito, thanks for joining us. This was fun. Thanks for having me. It's wonderful to talk hockey. And, yeah, no doubt. Yeah, hopefully. Soon we have something more substantial. Yes, exactly. exactly. Always a pleasure. Thanks, man. Okay, guys. Thanks, Billy. Have a good night. You too.